seen a lot of sites that have focused on web accessibility when they build it, but then they kind of forget about it and they start adding new features that aren't accessible. And so really you have to incorporate a desire to have an accessible website into the culture and process of your e-commerce team. And you have to at least you know have a check for those level A items in your ongoing QA or UAT processes. Well, good day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Commerce Today. My name is Darren, and I am here, as always, with our fantastic host, Josh, to to talk about e-commerce and what's happening in the world. And our, our options today, or our topic today, is around web accessibility. And I know, Josh, you've said many times I'm not the sharpest stick in the shed, so I'll admit it right here for everyone to hear, but help me out. What is web accessibility and... What's that mean? Yeah, the the way people look at it right now and what the the big topic around web accessibility is really the application of the Americans with Disabilities Act to retail websites. So basically making sure that people who have different types of disabilities identified by that law are able to interact with and use your website. And that's that's becoming a bigger and bigger topic simply because the Department of Justice actually released a statement this year stating that yes, the Americans with Disabilities Act does apply to most retail websites. Um, as a result, we're seeing some interesting things out there in the the marketplace where there's some companies that have cropped up that are really honestly using some scare tactics and going to retailers and saying, hey, if you don't use our service to make your site accessible, you're going to get sued. Let us save you from that. The good old FUD process, fear, uncertainty, and doubt to uh, to create an opportunity there with these websites. Well, that's interesting. That's got to be a, a pretty big market. How big how big of an opportunity could this be or is this to to websites out there? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different statistics out there depending on which way you look at it, but there are um, over 51 million adults in the United States with a disability. So that's quite a few people that if your website's not accessible, you're not necessarily reaching those customers. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I feel like the threat of a lawsuit isn't the right reason to pursue having an accessible website. I think really the fact that you want to reach those 51 million uh, adults in the U.S. alone with a disability, but also accessibility benefits us all. Um, an example I love of this, I've heard other podcasters that talk about iPhones and shows like that. Um, several of those shows have talked about how there's a lot of features that start out as accessibility features for the iPhone that everybody ends up using that really benefit everyone. And hmm. I think you see the same thing um, with web accessibility, where by making your site easier for people with disabilities to use, you can actually end up improving the entire user experience. That's pretty awesome. Well, I think you mentioned it as we opened up here a little bit about kind of that there might be some guidelines, but are there, I mean, if the Department of Justice is involved, obviously there's some at least guidelines, rules, regulations. What does that look at? Yeah, um, so the the actual guidelines are in some ways relatively simple. They're lengthy, um, but simple. They're things like providing text descriptions of your images and other visuals. That way, if a user is blind, um, they can understand them via a uh, screen reader um, that's reading things to them. All of this is actually spelled out in a document called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, the WCAG. Um, and that is port forth, we love our acronyms. Um, the WCAG is a product of the W3C, which is the Worldwide Web Consortium, a group that sets really all the standards for the web. Um, 
there is uh, a current version of that document. That's version 2.1. They're actually working on a version 3 that's going to be a kind of a complete rewrite of it. And that document is rather lengthy, rather dry, um, but important. I'm sure you've read it. Oh, the whole cover thing. To cover. Oh, yeah. I printed it out or read it every night before bed. No, um, but I can tell you that it, it breaks things down into three levels. And um, the levels are not one, two, and three. The levels are actually A. AA and AAA. Uh, level A are essential items that you must provide support for. AAs are your ideally supported items. And then those AAA items are specialized support just for very specific, specific audiences. Um, a lot of the laws and lawsuits really focused on those level A items. Sometimes the level AA items, um, very rarely the AAA items. And as always, and as we mentioned before, we're not lawyers. And your mileage may vary. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so definitely consult your lawyer if you're worried about that. But um, I would say, you know, most of the recommendations I'm seeing say stick to those level A and level A items. So if you don't want to read the whole document like I do regularly, um, <laughs> you can skim through those A and AA items. But if you really don't want to read through it, there's actually a really interesting project out there. Um, and Darren and I, before the show, were we're checking, and apparently uh, some people call this the Accessibility Project. Others call it the Ally Project. Others call it the A11Y Project. Um, turns out there are 11 letters between the A and Y in accessibility, and that is why they call it the A11Y, but it also kind of spells Ally. And what this project is, is it's a community-driven effort to try to simplify these things. Um, among other things, they can point you to different resources, but... What I love about their work is they have an accessibility checklist, and it's built on top of the the uh, web content accessibility guidelines we mentioned earlier, but it really helps you focus in on the most important items. It gives you examples, and honestly, to be, to be blunt, it takes that very dry document, very dry technical specification, and makes it into an actionable checklist. Well, and even... Uh even there were some YouTube videos that we had mentioned there that that go through this, so that can be a helpful resource to to get the stuff. Because obviously, yeah, I'd much rather have the Reader's Digest version, if you will, or or the 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 shortened one. Definitely in this day and age, a YouTube video that can help walk you through that'll be helpful. Um, so, all right, you've kind of outlined what this web accessibility is, kind of some of the the key points, but. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming, as you might say, and, and talk about how does this affect a new e-commerce site and ensuring that it's accessible. Yeah, when you're building a new e-commerce site, um, I think the most important thing to do is really from the start, when you gather all the stakeholders together, even as you're selecting a platform, selecting an implementation partner, include web accessibility as one of your requirements and really just make it clear from the start, hey, this isn't something we're doing to avoid the threat of a lawsuit. This is something that we are doing because we want to provide this positive experience for all of our users and go ahead and from the start say, okay, you know, for instance, we're going to use the A11Ys checklist and we want to make sure we're compliant with all level A items or, hey, we want to make sure we're compliant with all level AA items and just make that very clear up front. And then also, as everything's being developed and designed, um, make sure all of the people involved in the project know about the importance of accessibility. Sometimes that might be a message that um, that's communicated kind of the, the highest levels, but if it doesn't get down into the people that are actually writing the code, designing the pages, you can end up with a result where you're kind of having to work backwards at the end to make it accessible again. Um, 
really my last suggestion when you're building a new site is just make sure everybody knows that at least those level eight guidelines are going to be part of either your QA process or your user acceptance testing process. So, you know, what, what gets measured gets improved. So you let everyone know, hey, we're going to be measuring and checking to make sure we're, we're meeting these requirements. You're going to have a lot more success in making your new site accessible. And that brings up something you, you said on the user acceptance testing and, and that kind of stuff. Is it important for merchants to, to have someone that actually has an accessibility issue or has a disability that could actually test this for real? I mean, you can definitely include that, especially if you're doing um, kind of some some live user um, usability testing. Um, you can definitely go and um, test in that manner. The The good news is through things like that A11Y checklist, you don't have to do that. Like they really do a good job of spelling out, this is what will make it work well for those These people. These are the steps. Okay. Yeah. I will say though, that's a, a good point because um, – it wasn't really until I was researching for this episode and kind of learning more about this project that I saw, like I had heard of screen readers and I had heard, uh, I've seen um, a photo even once of someone using one of the um, screen reader type systems that output to Braille. Um, and it was it was super interesting. And I don't think most people working on the web, if you don't have a disability, if you haven't used those technologies before, you don't have a picture of what that even looks like, what that experience is like. And, you know, I'm using the the very clear-cut examples of, you know, someone that's blind, but there's also um, a lot of different disabilities out there, a lot of different disabilities that you don't know just by looking at someone that they have, and they all kind of can manifest in different ways when they're trying to buy and shop on an e-commerce site. So I do think if you have an opportunity to learn from someone who, you know, does have one of these conditions, does have one of these disabilities, then um, I think it could be very eye-opening, very worthwhile. All right. Well, you talked about working with a new site if you're, go- if you're building it out. All right, I've already got my site. I'm already up and running. Am I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where I get taken by the, by the, uh, the people scaring me with the, the idea to do this. So what do I do with my existing site? Yeah, depending on your um, the way your team is set up and the resources you have, this can actually be relatively easy. If you have the uh, the people power available, um, you can just work through that accessibility checklist provided by the uh, the Ally Project, and you can just have someone go through and audit your site and say, "Okay, I'm going to go through all the major pages, and I'm going to run through this checklist, make sure it matches." Um, honestly, that's something that's fairly easy to do. Um, if, however, you're kind of struggling with that, um, you know, maybe you have someone, but they're not really familiar with web accessibility. Um, there's actually a testing accessibility workshop that's sponsored by um, the Ally Project that you could put that person through. Um, How long is that workshop? Do you know? Do you have any ideas on that? I actually, I'm not sure. I haven't done right. it. It's, it's been on my list. I'm kind of waiting for an opportunity and for, for one of the merchants I work with to... Uh, express an interest in kind of having an audit through that workshop and definitely want to give that a try. Um, most important thing, though, is you're just going through that list and you're, you're marking any um, uh, requirements that you're missing on. And I would recommend then once you have that list, prioritize it, obviously, by those levels. So start with level A items. The other thing, though, is sometimes within those level A items, you can find some low-hanging fruit. For instance, if you have a footer on your site and it's on every single page of your site and it's not compliant with one of those level A items, 
fix that first because by fixing one thing, one item, you got them all. You got them all. So I would definitely start there. Um, and again, this looks a little bit different depending on if you're doing all this in house or if you're working with a partner um, that's doing your your development work and that type of thing. But really, it really does just break down to run through that checklist, prioritize the level A items first, prioritize the items that hit the most uh, sections of your site, and that that's where. One of the reasons I even wanted to do this episode is I don't want people to get taken by some of those companies that are out there selling monthly services for this and things like that because it doesn't have to be that complicated. Hmm. Okay. Now, is there is there anything special that I need to do to ensure that that new features as they're being brought forward that those are also accessible? Yeah, that's a great point. I've seen a lot of sites that have focused on web accessibility when they build it but then they kind of forget about it and they start adding new features that aren't accessible. And so really you have to incorporate a desire to have an accessible website into the culture and process of your e-commerce team. And you have to at least you know have a check for those level A items in your ongoing QA or UAT processes. Um, and then I would periodically go through, if you're checking for the level A items in that kind of launch process, go to have maybe once a year audit for those level AA items just to make sure. Now, is there um, is there anything that the platforms are doing around this that you're aware of? Say the, you know, let's call it the Shopify's, the Salesforce, Adobe, Commerce, all those. Are they doing anything around these things? There are some things that they can do and that they have been doing, especially um, platforms that kind of have a default theme built in. Some of them are doing a better job of making sure those themes comply with these items than others. Some of these items, honestly... They're both accessibility and SEO best practices, for instance. So they mm. they get incorporated through that. Okay. So what about kind of the supporting the web accessibility and and even on into the future of accessibility? Yeah, I just would encourage everyone, please talk about web accessibility for a long time. I mean, this isn't anything new, but it's not something that a lot of people have talked about. I think until really this project launch that's kind of promoting the awareness of accessibility issues on the web. And so I think, you know, whether it's if you're going to a conference, um, if you're at a industry event, a meetup, something like that, talk about it. Um, even request it as uh, a session for a conference that you're attending and just encourage, you know, all your colleagues and coworkers in the space to talk about it. And as far as the f- future, you know, I am... I'm really interested to see how things evolve with accessibility, especially looking at things like VR and the metaverse. I mean, those are at their heart vision-based. So what is accessibility going to look like for those? And uh, uh, there's even smaller things. Like there's some people that are just a lot more prone to motion sickness. So maybe their vision's fine, but they're going to get motion sick in a VR experience. I've already seen there's video games that are starting to add accommodations for that where you can basically turn off some of the features that are more likely to make you uh, motion sick. And that's where I think things like talking about this at conferences, promoting the uh, Ally Project is important because as an industry, we're going to have to set these best practices moving forward. And how does, from a merchant standpoint, as we kind of close this up, I just wanted to ask the question, from a merchant standpoint, how do they not look at this as a huge expense? Mm. How do they avoid that? Because that's, that's as I'm as you're t- sharing all this with me, I'm starting to say, okay, well, I just see dollar signs of I'm going to have to do this more investment. Now, I should be, ought to be, investing in my 
e-commerce site all the time and probably are, but this seems like this could could be a pretty significant added expense. Yeah, I think that's where some of the uh, those vendors that I mentioned that I don't necessarily agree with, I think that's why they're taking that, you know, hey, you don't want to get sued angle. Because that's the easiest way to say, hey, this is worth investing in because otherwise you're going to have legal expenses. Um, I think the way, though, to look at it uh, is – you're improving usability for everybody. And the, the more you improve your usability, the more that people have those frictionless commerce experiences with your brand, more money you're going to make, more sales you're going to make. Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys uh, and gals, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to Commerce Today. We're excited about accessibility and, uh, and everyone's response to that. And we'd really love to have you uh, like our uh, podcast we have here today. And with that, we will uh, close it out. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon.